So it, over the last year, you guys have known, like, I am uber competitive, and I have this Fitbit, and, uh, and so I just today wanted to take it next level and destroy everybody in my Fitbit challenges and my step counts. And, uh, and so we bring this treadmill uh, up, up here, because uh, I've grown to enjoy fitness as much as anybody can actually enjoy fitness. It's not like something you actually enjoy, but I guess some nerds do. And uh, so for me, I understand in talking to like some fitness coaches this week that people get to like work out and like run races. Like we're preparing for a 5K where I'm going to beat uh, Tyler and, uh, and John Bowinski and others. I'm going to crush them in the 5K. And, and so like, I've got to prepare this today. And I understand that people start preparing for things, but then they punk out, they fade away, and they have all these excuses as to why that happens. And so I'm going to go ahead and punk out. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Ackerman III, uh, come up here for a second. And by second, I mean for the entire sermon. Uh, Kenny, where, are you in the corner, right? Where is he? Is he in here? He went to... Stupid Kenny, God. All right. He's... Tabitha, you, gonna rock? you got a new Fitbit, didn't you? Tabitha, get up here. All right. Tabitha got a, it was her birthday yesterday. And she got this new Fitbit. She was telling me all about it. All right. So Tabitha, during, uh, during the sermon, I need you to not keep the speed, not get it up. Just walk at two. All right. But here, it's, go, it's going. Yeah, it's slow. Go ahead and walk it. Don't fall on your face. Otherwise, there's lawsuits that happen. Uh, and so this will be our last Sunday if you fall on your face. All right. So just right there. All right. So this is you for the rest of the sermon. You good with it? All right, all right. That's that's the point of the sermon. We keep going, and uh, and so yeah. Here. And here's a Garmin uh, Fitbit that you can give to a friend. Someone gave it to us, so we'll give it to you for doing this. Yep, you're welcome. And uh, so reasons why people punk out. I talked to a fitness coach this week, and reasons why people would start a race, start walking, start doing things. Some of the reasons why people will punk out from stuff like this. One, a fitness coach told me this past week uh, that sometimes there's unachievable goals. That they're like, I'm going to set out to lose 100 pounds, and then in two weeks they lose 10 pounds, which is incredible, but their goal is so unachievable that they hit the 10-pound mark, and they're like, well, it ain't 100, so I'm peace out. And what happens when we set these unachievable goals instead of, like, little goals to get us to the bigger goal is we start to compare. Like, spring break is coming up. Spring break is coming up, and, and you're all like, yo, I, I, need, I need that killer six-pack for spring break when I'm, when I'm on the beach. And you start getting on that Instagram life, and you get on somebody's story, and they're eating pizza with their six-pack. And you're like, this will never happen. I'll never reach my goals because I can't eat pizza and get a six-pack. This is terrible. And you just quit, and you punk out. Uh, another reason why people might punk out is the lack of support. Have you ever tried getting into fitness and then you end up quitting because you get home and you char, char your, your broccoli to have a nice broccoli meal and your spouse is eating a bacon cheeseburger and there's no support or, or your spouse or your loved one isn't helping you make time to get out to the gym or whatnot and, and the lack of support, you end up punking out. Maybe it's the fading motivation. Maybe you were all like gung-ho. Tabitha was back there like waving, like, get me up there. I promise you in 25 minutes she's going to regret that. You have all of this. You have all of this motivation. You're on. You're on. You're watching TV. Maybe you're watching an old uh, Bad Boys 2 back from back in the day. Anybody remember Bad Boys? Those were hilarious. And you're watching. You're like, whoa, Will Smith. Welcome to Miami. He looks good. And so at 2 a.m., you're like, I'm going to get on Amazon Prime, and I'm going to buy me a new elliptical. And you're all motivated to get, 
at that killer body, and then you're done. You're like, I'm never working out before Amazon Prime can even get it to your house. The motivation has faded. Or you, uh, you fail to make it routine, where you, where you wake up, and, and, and the fitness coach, this was really eye-opening to me. She, she said, I ask people for two weeks. I want maximum effort for two weeks, no cheat days. Because she's like, if you just simply want to put your toe in the water, it's really easy to take your toe out of the water. I want people to jump all in because it's a lot harder to jump out when you've jumped all in. And so I want maximum effort for at least two weeks, and then you earn yourself a cheat day. The last thing that this, uh, these people said was uh, they lose five pounds and all of a sudden they become the expert. <laughs> that uh, here I am trying to help them out. It's been a week. They lost five pounds. Now they know everything about fitness and all my advice has gone to garbage because their ego has blown Can we sometimes relate to some of those reasons as to why we have failed or punked out? And so this week, we celebrate a year as a church. Are we done? Nope. Did we set out to start a church and we're like, God, thank you. We're going to Wellspring one year. Give us one year. Nope. We said we want to start a church that's part of your kingdom, and your kingdom is eternal. And so this goes well beyond one year. But as a church, how are we going to keep moving forward? How, as a church, how are we going to maintain our focus and not punk out, not get off of our vision, not get away from our goal, but to keep pushing, to keep pushing, and to keep pushing, to, to be able to walk a proverbial treadmill for an entire sermon? I think, it, I think our big thought for the morning is this. Our endurance, endurance demands focus. There's water, too, here if you need to get a little perspiration, all right? Uh, so <laughs> you're sweating, yeah. Uh, so endurance demands our focus. You and I, if we're going to endure the race of life, if we're going to endure as a church, our endurance demands our focus. And so we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, where I think the author of Hebrews shares three areas of focus that we need to pay attention to if we're going to endure to the finish line. The first thing that we're going to look at is that our focus, if endurance demands focus, we need to focus on lifestyle change. The first verse in Hebrews 11 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Endurance isn't a diet fad. <laughs> endurance isn't, I'm going to try to quickly cut five pounds and I'm good to go. Endurance is a lifestyle. Endurance is keeping going. And endurance isn't, isn't just, uh, I'm going to start the race, but then I'm good not even to finish. Endurance is a slow and steady, a run to the finish line. It's, over, it's steady determination over a long period of time. When we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our personal lives, there's a pistol that went off of sorts at, 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 to indicate the start of a race. But the race isn't just, hey, get up here and, and walk for two minutes. The race is, is not a sprint. The race is a marathon for the Christian life. That this We have agreed to start the race, and this is going to take us to the finish line. And that is what is endurance, competing to the very end. And on the individual level, we can see that, we can even think and look around perhaps and say that many people start well, but few finish well. 
many people start the race and they have no desire to really finish well. We could look at either ourselves or other Christians and say, they're not running, they're not even in the race, but in what I see in their lives, that could never be an indication of somebody running for Jesus. So how do we keep going? How do we maybe regroup? And what was challenging for me and uh, Tabitha, keep, keep running and keep walking, I'm going to rest, is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, this, is this thought process. Sometimes we do need to regroup. Sometimes we do need to rest. But there are too many Christians that are marked by perpetual walking aimless walking. There is a time. Hebrews will talk about it. There is a time to rest. So as we're using race analogies, as we're saying keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing, there are times to rest, but it's purposeful rest. There is a book that I recently read called Peak Performance. You all should read it about athletes that know how to run at the highest level. The reason they know how to run at the highest level is because they know how to rest like nobody else. They rest well so they can run well. So if you're in a season of regrouping, regroup well, but don't keep walking for the rest of your life. At some point, it's rest to then run better. And that's where some of us find ourselves in. And so we can look at... We can look at Old Testament heroes. This is what happened in Hebrews 11, where they said, look at the heroes of the faith. These are not men and women marked by lives of crawling, marked by lives of walking. These are men and women that showed a life lived for Jesus Christ, a life that, that, that starts and finishes well, what it, what it can do, and they, they're lift up for their active faith, not their passive faith. And you and I can do the exact same because we have the same God living before us, living inside of us, the same God that was there with Elijah, David, Moses, whatever Old Testament hero you want to look at, Rahab as we've talked about, their same God is our same God. So why is it just an Old Testament? It's all of us. I am not called to run Tabitha's race. I'm not called to run Kenny's race. He says very clearly, run the race marked out for you. And so here's the point that I want to make before we go forward is that I can be sinning when I choose something good over something best. God's plan for me, God's race that he's marked out for me is the best race. I can sin when I choose something good over something best. I just finished a book, uh, that book that I recommended a few weeks ago about this missionary over in Uganda. Could you imagine if I just before the sermon said, you know what, I've been reading about this missionary in Uganda. They have a big need. I'm out. Peace. I'm packing up my family. We out. Peace out. God. Charlie, good luck. I know you have the songs picked out and everything, but I need you to take the whole Sunday. I'm out. I would sin. That would be classified as sin if I chose to move over to Uganda when God's calling me to, and I forsake the race marked right out here before me, Wellspring Church. If I were to say no to this, to choose something else, that's sin when I choose something that is good over something that is best. And so you and I are called to run the race marked out for us, not to get on somebody's Instagram story and be like, oh, well, they are, that, I want their race. No, run your race. I did that this week, where I, uh, I, I'll, uh, a terrible example of it, is I, I got home Monday, and I had worked a long day with a ton of meetings, and I barely even touched the sermon, and I was stressed, and I got home, I was sitting on my kitchen table, and I was working, working on the sermon, it was like 5.30, the kids had just got home, and, and Brady came in 
from his Christian school and so excited to read his Bible. He's working on reading, and he wanted to read to me the Bible. He was reading, I think, in 1 Kings. It had nothing to do with 1 Kings. He was just saying Jesus things, and, but acting like he was reading. It was a really beautiful thing, though. And here's the disgusting thing I did. I was like, buddy, I can't do this right now. And I removed myself and um, I went to the kitchen table and worked on the sermon. And the next morning I, I woke up and I was praying and confessing sin before God. And I started to weep. Because the night before I chose what is good, the sermon, over what is the very best thing that was before me. My son desiring Jesus in the Bible. And I said no to it. So we have to run the race marked out for us, even if that means saying no to a good thing, to choose the best thing. Know what that means? It means that we have to simplify our focus. That's why at Wellspring Church, we value simplicity. Keep it simple. Don't try to do everything and do all things. Just run your race. And part of running your race is saying no to sin. He talked about that. Shed, shed a few pounds. No runner is going to say, hey, we have a 5K coming up, so how can I throw on 5 or 10 more pounds? Any, any serious runner is going to shed weight to run better. That's what sin does. Sin entangles us. And so anything that's going to prohibit us from running the race well, then bye, Felicia, be gone, I'm out. For me, it was drinking. Drinking isn't sinful, but I took it sinful places. It prohibited me from running the race well. So I was like, peace out, and I haven't touched a sip in many, many years because it was hindering my race. We have to forego sin. And as we seek God, God, what is my race? What is the path for me? Here's what it will never involve. As you're seeking God out, it will never involve sin. Your race will never involve, God, what should I do? Take one more hit? No, it will never be that. God, I don't have time to be in your word. No, it will never be that. It will never be a place of sin. God is not calling you to a race that would be contrary to his character. He's not calling you to sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. He's not calling you to get into a sexual relationship with your fiancé or whoever. He's saying keep the marriage bed pure. Be married. He, he, he will never tell you keep all of your money hoarded. Never give a dime. Be, be selfish with your money. He'll never call you to a place of sin. Your race absolutely has to do with honoring God and living your life for him. And that demands a lifestyle change. The next is to focus on the end goal. Tabitha's goal is to make it to the end of the sermon. We, we said endurance demands our focus. Focus on lifestyle th- change. Focus on the end goal. Verse 2 says this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Greek word for race is agon. You know what we get from that? Agony. We're not running for sheer pleasure. At this point, Tabitha's regretting being up there. And, and, and like, at first, it was sheer pleasure. At some point, it becomes, it becomes work. We run a race, not for sheer pleasure. Sometimes we run the race that takes self-discipline. At some point, when you're running the race, there will be a level of agony. And God is saying, keep going, keep going. That's what endurance is. Endurance is fighting through the cramp. Endurance is, is pushing through, keeping the end goal in mind. And it says that with joy, with joy, Jesus went to the cross. Why? He had you in mind. Because he loves you. He found joy in that. He went to the cross because at the right, he was going to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. He was going to be glorified for all of eternity. 
He was going to receive a crown, a reward. The race is hard. The Christian life, the Christian race, it ain't easy. It's hard. And so if, we're, if we don't want to punk out, we have to focus on the end goal. For Jesus, the cross was the means to the crown. For us, our hardship, our fighting through, our choosing obedience over, over sin, choosing obedience over temptation might lead to us. Maybe it's not exactly like Jesus, but we'll, maybe we'll receive that well done, well done, well done. And when we lose sight of the end goal, we start to blame. Have you been there? We, we, we start to hate other people. We start to question things. When, when we just keep running, keep running, keep walking, and, and we keep that. If I keep going, not everybody, but some people will hear, well done, well done, well done. Sometimes you encourage me when you send me nice emails, Facebook messages, or whatnot, and that's all well and good, and sometimes it's very neat. It's a godsend. But even, even the greatest comments here on earth fail in comparison to finishing the race and hearing from Jesus Christ himself, well done, well done, well done. I won't receive a well done if I'm running your race. I'm running the race that God has marked out for me. Check out this video. Anyway, uh, this next bit is titled youth pastor who tries to stay overly relevant by telling his testimony using instagram filters here we go okay i mean it uh, i don't know it all started as a kid i just felt like there was just uh i don't know just a cloud over my life even as a kid uh i just I would lash out. I had to uh, get real angry a lot of times. I just, I'd see a situation like, what are people doing? I just get so It's like, but I still had to be this good person around church. I just, I feel like I was wearing disguises. I'd be this guy at church and, you know, I'd be this guy at the school and then this guy at the club, I don't know. And then uh, this guy at the beach. Almost felt like, uh, you know, I drifted away from God, like I just felt like spiritually, like my eyes were open, but I was like, I was asleep, you know? Even now it's hard to describe. Um, I was in the world, in the clubs, and uh, making poor choices, and I heard God call me, he was just like, John, just like, just like God called Samuel, you know what I'm saying? He called the second time, John. You gotta understand that at the time, I was just, you know, I was in a bad place. I was just drowning, just making poor choice after poor choice. I would come up once in a while at church, you know what I'm saying? But eventually I felt like the surface was just iced over, you know? And little by little, I just started experiencing breakthrough, you know? It was crazy to realize, like, when I finally realized how much God loved me, it was like plunger arrows sticking into my face. Like, I saw myself a certain way, but God... He sees me like this, you know? It's crazy because I, like, see all the same people from my old life sometimes. I run into them and they're like, John, you're different. John, you've changed. And I'm just like, well, you know, anybody who's in Christ, this is a new creation. Do I sit, still uh, experience bad days? I mean, absolutely. There's still uh, storm clouds in life. But, um, you know, my favorite Bible verse is number 624. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And uh, may he let his face shine upon you. I uh, I would love the time to do that and to play with filters, but uh, I no. <laughs> we run the hard race 
to receive a prize at the end. Perhaps seeing and hearing from Jesus Christ, well done, well done. And we will we'll never receive that by running somebody else's race. One of the things that a runner will tell you is if you're focused on somebody else, if you're focused on another stride, you'll quickly get off feet. You'll quickly trip yourself up. You have to run your race, your stride, to get to the very end. The last thing that he, the author encourages us is, yes, endurance demands our focus. Focus on lifestyle change. Focus on the end goal. But then focus your perspective. Our passage will conclude with this. Consider him who endured from, from sinners such hostility against himself that, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Yes, the race is grueling, and when it gets grueling, when it gets hard, we take our, our focus off of Jesus. We put it all these other places, and we start getting weary. We start getting uh, tired in all the wrong ways. When we have to look at Jesus, who is previously called the author of our faith, he's the one that sustains it. He's the beginning and the end. He, he is the, the, the pinnacle of the Christian faith. If we look at Jesus, if we at one point said, Jesus, I, because you are awesome, because you are worthy, I give you everything, then why would we ever consider living like him like a buzzkill? If Jesus is awesome, living like him is awesome. So we keep him the focus, we keep him as our perspective, and we live like him, and we endure hardship because he endured hardship. He had his back ripped open. He was flogged. He was beaten for our faith. He died on a cross, and we lose perspective when hardship comes. We, in our American society, very few, if any, die for their faith in our westernized society. When, when we can go through our challenges and we can all of a sudden forget that, that my challenge, that somebody said something off color to me at work, and all of a sudden we're so bent out of shape when there are Christians right now dying for their faith, giving everything to the point of death. Christians that have to witness their own families being murdered because they are foregoing, they are saying, I will declare the name of Jesus to my death. We have to keep it in perspective and keep going. Honoring them and their sacrifice and that, and also keeping Jesus as the ultimate perspective with that. Sometimes the world isn't caving in like we think when we keep a proper perspective. Perspective breeds endurance. Check out uh, this video from uh, Courtney Del Rosario. So hi, my name's Courtney, um, and I have been on a little bit of a roller coaster this past year. The year started off where I viewed everything through a negative mindset. If you want to check, talk to Pastor Jason, because he was with me through it. Um, I couldn't see anything positively. I was scatterly spending time in my Bible. I was just going to church to do church things. and. I was living separate from my husband, um, Joanne, and just going through grad school, working full-time, interning, planning a wedding, trying to get him to immigrate here, all what felt like I was alone on an island um, and just kind of floating through it. So one of the really awesome things that Wellspring has is Starting Point. Starting Point is um, our ministry for new believers, returning believers, or people who are just walking and trying to figure out their faith. Um, so I met Alicia, who is so awesome, at a starting point. 
at Jason's house and the first thing she said was, I hate grad school. And I was like, this girl's about to be my best friend because I'm about to finish grad school and she was about to start it. And um, we just became friends instantly from that moment because I knew that God put me in her life to do something. And I just was excited to figure out what it was. So Alicia and I have become nothing short of the best of friends. Um, it's really, really awesome because we have so many things in common that we didn't know at that first day. Um, we both are in grad school for similar things. I'm a mental health counselor. She's a social worker. Um, we both have worked with wild kids. Um, that's one of the things that we had in common. Um, she was starting out in her faith and I was kind of coming back to my faith because I had grown out of community, was looking at a negative mindset. So I jumped myself into the Bible and started looking through things through the lens of Christ instead of the lens of Courtney. And I was able to help Alicia and be alongside her and she's about to graduate soon. And it's just been so cool to see how God works in mysterious ways to bring everything together for our good even when we can't see it. I uh, have had the honor of knowing Courtney, and uh, it has been a tough year just for her personally. Things at home or things being, being married to somebody that lives across an ocean of sorts and having to be here in America while there's a hurricane ripping through your husband's island. And there were times where Courtney and I would talk in a, in a coffee house, and we would be talking, and I would... I would have to say, Courtney, I don't know what that's like, but I do know that the glass isn't always half empty. That sometimes the glass can be half full, and that if the glass is always half empty, this is, it's going, yes, this is all going to suck, and it will continue to suck. But if this glass is half full, the perspective will breed your endurance of sorts. And she started changing. She started moving forward. She started to be a wicked positive, and then enters Alicia and going through a lot of the same stuff with grad school and wanting to punk out, wanting to quit. That's the very first thing she said to me at starting point. Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm in grad school, and I'm out. And then she met Courtney, and Courtney's like, no, keep going, keep going. Until my knowledge, Alicia is still in grad school, school pushing through. You should all join starting point. There's four spots left. It should be closed by the time we end this service. Our uh, endurance demands our focus. We need to focus on lifestyle change. We need to focus on the end goal. We need to focus our perspective. As I thought through this, as I thought through, uh, originally I was going to be the one on the treadmill, but then I got lazy, so I called up Tabitha. And as I was thinking through this, I, I thought of how the enemy wants us to, to get off the race, how he wants us to stop running, how he us to crawl, how he wants us to run somebody else's race, and, and that scripture of, of the enemy roaming around like a lion, looking to, to lick and to kiss us like a new puppy that is in my house. No, nothing like that. The, the enemy is roaming around, circling us as an enemy will do, as any lion will do. Well, that will circle, that will circle, that will circle, looking to isolate us, looking to get us completely by ourselves. And so the enemy counts and devour to rip apart as he's circling. Perhaps his strategy is to make us so dizzy that we can't focus on Jesus. And then I thought of Jesus, who is the ultimate lion, 
the Lion of Judah. And I thought, Jesus, Jesus isn't circling. He's not looking to devour me. He's not looking to, to do any of those same things that the enemy is doing. The, Jesus is looking to, come, to run alongside me and encourage and to run before me, to set that example, to keep going, to say, keep, keep, push, push, push. And that a part of our goal is to invite somebody else. Kenny, you're here now. Get up here for a second. All right, get up. We're going to give you a quick break. Kenny, get up here. No, no, keep it going. He has to work. I'm not. I know. This is. Anybody want this treadmill at the end? You're welcome to it. Uh, seriously. Kenny, walk up here. Our goal is walking. Don't fall on your face because your parents will sue me. Keep, no, keep here. Stay here for a second. We, I want you to stand right there. Part of our job as Christians, part of our race will always be to invite somebody else onto the treadmill. Run your race, Kenny. Are, you're going you're gonna to be on YouTube for the rest of your life. Welcome. Here. Uh, <laughs> like, it's to say, Kenny, keep going. Tabitha wants to be alongside you. Keep going. Keep running. Keep pushing to encourage them to run their race. And that's why God has gifted us the church to be a, a Courtney to an Alicia saying, keep going. Keep going. Run your race. Run, run, run. Don't stop because this is going to get hard. The enemy is going to circle. The enemy is going to entice you to do things with your future girl, girlfriend. Or the enemy is going to entice you to do stupid things with drugs or stupid things with drinking or other things like that. And, and part of our race uh, as Christians is to say, no, run your race. Ignore the voices of the enemy. No truth. Cling to truth because the enemy is going to circle and lie and devour. But here we are alongside Kenny saying, keep going, keep going. Keep going. And so Wellspring, run your race. Run our race. Our mission statement is that we exist to ignite craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community. You guys can go and have, have a seat. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Tabitha. I want to run my race. I was blessed to go to Billy Graham's uh, funeral of sorts in D.C., and I was just so moved by a man that died at 99, and how many Christian leaders do we know that have done remarkable things for Jesus, but at some point, they gave God a black eye. At some point, they did something that was like that, that mark against them. Billy Graham was not perfect. He was not Christ incarnate. He had his own stuff, I'm sure. But he lived such above reproach. He lived in a way where he was like, I don't even want people to make the accusation of evil. Even if it's untrue, I'm going to live in such a way where I'm held to such high levels of accountability that people can't even make an accusation. And to my knowledge, there is not this major black guy in his ministry, but instead he was there to, to, to get Martin Luther King out of jail to say that racism is stupid. Break down even at even at one of his own even at one of his own uh, rallies where he's telling people about Jesus. He was there to say, "There's not a black line and a white line. That's stupid. There's one line." He was there to break those things down and then to live with such integrity to run his race so well that he's one of four to be in the rotunda of the capital of the United States, where on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was, they're proclaiming whether or not they believe it. I'm not going to argue that right now, but. They're at least proclaiming the name of Jesus because he lived well. And I guarantee you, I don't know this for fact, but I'd be hard-pressed to think that when he died and took his last breath that he wasn't hearing, well done, well done, well done, well done. So, Wellspring, yes, happy birthday. But this is not over. As a church and as individuals, 
This ain't done, and we want to get to the point where we hear, well done, well done, not from anybody else, but from Jesus Christ himself. Let's sing another song of worship.